Let's step back in time to the 1950s, to the smoke-filled high-rise buildings on Madison Avenue in New York City. If you've ever seen the AMC hit series Mad Men, you've seen time and time again the ad men and women trying to one-up each other's latest marketing campaigns. The show's main character, Don Draper, said a lot of interesting things, but one of the more outstanding lines was, Advertising is based on one thing, happiness. And you know what happiness is? Happiness is the smell of a new car. It's freedom from fear. It's a billboard on the side of the road that screams with reassurance that whatever you're doing is okay. You are okay. This quote brings me to an all-too-familiar marketing phenomena in our grocery stores these days. The number of products in stores labeled non-GMO or GMO-free has skyrocketed over the past few years. On one hand, it's just the latest example of the absurd, rich, first-world food phenomenon I like to call the marketing of non-existence. We've been conditioned to buy food for what it is not. What these marketers are doing is just what Don Draper talked about. They're creating fear and then using their certification to show that something is safe. And those behind the non-GMO thing have done quite well making money by offering a certification that doesn't have any basis in scientific fact. But maybe the worst part is the tragic disregard for the interests of the farmers who tend the crops that we all need. Just as modern biotechnology has accelerated the development of medicines and bio-based materials, the same technology offers tremendous benefits for agriculture. Unfortunately, the anti-GMO movement has successfully limited the agricultural potential of this technology to a small fraction of what could have been achieved. Activists have succeeded in driving disharmonized region-to-region regulation around the world, They've successfully elicited brand protectionism among food companies and retailers, and they have effectively wielded rich world influence on the developing world in a way that is well described by the term green imperialism. Not content with this extraordinary degree of control of the food system, the anti-GMO forces have pursued an additional strategy of getting companies to label foods as GMO-free or non-GMO. The rather transparent ultimate goal of such labeling is the elimination of all the applications of crop biotechnology. Now, the majority of foods labeled non-GMO today are crops for which the growers have never even had the option of a biotech trait, which means there's no GMO version on the market. And this practice disregards farmers and the elements they contend with daily as it preemptively sort of poisons the well for times in the near or distant future when some highly useful trait might have been developed for that crop. And it even inhibits the research on developing those alternatives. These farmers might have future biotech options that would greatly help them with pest control or with adaptation to climate changes like drought or heat. The current use of the non-GMO label only makes it less likely that such farmers could ever take advantage of future advances.
In other cases, the GMO-free label is used for products which could have ingredients derived from the limited existing collection of bioengineered crops. And in this case, it creates a niche market for the non-GMO version of the crop. Now that might be profitable for some farmers, unless that niche is offshored to imported sources, as often been the case for niche markets like organic grains for animal feed. Once again, the non-GMO consumer label for these products stokes consumer concerns, even though the safety of the technology and the resulting foods has been well documented. And it also taints public opinion for future advances that could be good for that crop and for its farmers. So this raises an important question. Does it matter what farmers think? In virtually every instance where farmers have been given the option to grow a crop with a useful biotech trait, the farmers have adopted it rapidly and enthusiastically. This has been true both in the developed and developing worlds as this technology is generally scale-neutral, providing the farmer with benefits whether they farm a single hectare or thousands. Those benefits also occur whether they're growing in a harsh climate condition or contending with weed resistance or dealing with pest issues. Now, the oft-repeated myth that farmers only adopt biotechnology because they are pawns of big biotech is incredibly insulting to this group of fiercely independent business people. Farmers don't continue to buy or use technologies unless they make it easier or more profitable to do their jobs. So why are non-GMO labels proliferating if that trend is so counterproductive for the interests of those who actually feed us? It's because the economic leverage and the control of brand messaging in the food supply chain is in the hands of food distribution, manufacturing, and retail players, not farmers. The decision to give in to activists and competitive pressure and display something like a non-GMO label is driven by those in marketing roles who may or may not consider the interests of the growers. Now, obviously, the economics of those who produce the food cannot be entirely ignored, but it's sometimes remarkable how little weight is given to the farmer's needs. Consider the case of the Florida orange juice industry. The Florida orange industry is in a state of existential crisis right now because of an invasive insect and a deadly invasive bacterial disease that the insect transmits. Because of the disease, the state's production of oranges is down to 30% of what it once was and still declining. Now, some grower-funded research has yielded a promising biotechnology solution that might have begun a slow recovery for this industry. But sadly, the orange juice companies have already added a non-GMO label to their products, rather than making any effort to educate their consumer base about this crisis and about this potential farmer-funded solution. This is a classic case in which the company's brand is given much more consideration than the farmer's survival. I think it also shows disrespect for consumers' ability to understand if they were given the real story. There are also non-GMO labels on tangerines and mandarins from California, you know, cuties, halos, those sorts of things, which is a crop now threatened by the same lethal disease that's afflicting the Florida citrus industry. Once again, 
Those who farm the crop need all the possible tools they can get to ensure the long-term survival of their industry. But the marketers are caving into short-term brand positioning pressures. For the farmers of difficult or slow-to-breed crops, biotechnology could offer them a way to tap into the rich store of genetic diversity that exists in the wild relatives of their crop. Think coffee, cacao for chocolate, potatoes, bananas, grapes, olives, tomatoes, things like that. Non-GMO labeling for those crops flies in the face of that potential benefit for the farmers. For instance, a sweet pepper gene moved to the closely related tomato confers resistance to a bacterial disease that currently forces farmers to use many applications per season of copper sulfate fungicides. Now, unfortunately, the bacteria becoming resistant to the copper-based fungicides, and even though the copper is an organic-approved option, it's more than a 100-year-old product, and it's really not all that desirable by modern standards. The non-GMO labeling of many tomatoes and tomato products in stores inhibits the willingness of most tomato marketers to let the farmers use this proven biotech alternative. Those food system decision makers who go along with the GMO-free or non-GMO labeling trend are really using their marketing leverage in a way that serves the agenda of the activists. And this represents a troubling disregard for the legitimate interests of the small minority of our fellow citizens who still farm for the rest of us, and also for the legitimate interests of farmers in the developing world who grow many of our imported goods. Scores of examples exist for current or future biotech traits that would benefit farmers, but which are now being suppressed. The hands of researchers and technology developers in both the private and public sector are being tied, and consumers are being denied both direct and indirect improvements in the food supply. So what can you do? As our favorite madman Don Draper would say, if you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. Educate yourself about the myths and facts about GMOs. You can find good information at gmoanswers.com or at biofortified.org or at the Genetic Literacy Project websites. If you have people in your life who seem concerned or worried about GMOs, ask them about their concerns. Then have a conversation that recognizes their worries but informs them with background about why GMO technology is important to farmers around the world. When it comes to food, shouldn't it matter what farmers think? You can follow me on Twitter at GrapeDoc at G-R-A-P-E-D-O-C, and visit my blog at www.popagriculture.com.